Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome to the second hour of the Eric Erickson Show. I'll give you the phone number, but you can't call today. As I mentioned before, I've forgotten my call screening equipment. But it's 877-973-7425. I should give it to you just so you remember the phone number. You should also text the word DATA, D-A-T-A, to 33777 so that you can get the show notes and also pre-order my book, You Shall Be As Gods. More on that later. But I, I look, I, I, I spent enough time on the first hour. If, if you subscribe to the podcast, you get all my thoughts in the first hour, the legal implications, uh, how this is going to play out, all that. But we can move on from New Hampshire um, and we can diminish the coverage moving forward of these primaries because it's obvious where everything is headed. We're really in the general election now. I want to talk about something else. And it is an issue that I suspect that Trump could use. And it is one that resonates with a lot of people. I want to play you audio from the World Economic Forum. Uh, and this is a Swiss banker. He is a an agenda contributor to the World Economic Forum. His name is uh, Uber Keller. Listen to this. We'll be having our coffee before the session, and, and you raised the coffee example. I'd love just to give you the chance to expand on that. Basically, the coffee that we all drink um, emits between 15 and 20 tons of CO2 per ton of coffee. So we should all know that this is every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, the other, and one of the reasons is because most of the coffee plantation, or most of the coffee is produced through monoculture, and, um, and, and monoculture is also affected by climate change. Um, the quality of these nature assets is uh, deteriorating quite rapidly. Got that? They're coming for your coffee. But it's not just the coffee that we'll be having our coffee before the session, and and you raised the coffee example. I'd love just to. Sorry, annoying Frenchman goes on repeat. (laughs) I guess he's technically Swiss. They're not just coming for your coffee. I want to tie a couple things together. This is a story from Bloomberg News. When Royal Caribbean's icon of the seas embarks on its first official voyage on January twenty seventh. The journey is sure to make waves. The world's largest cruise ship, the Icon, is over 1,000 feet long and weighs in around 250,000 gross registered tons. It boasts 20 different decks, 40 restaurants, bars and lounges, seven pools, six water slides, and a 55-foot waterfall. Royal Caribbean says its boat will usher in a new era of vacations. Maybe so. But the icon is also a doubling down on a negative aspect of cruising's current era, greenhouse gas emissions. In 2022, Brian Comer, director of the Marine Program of the International Council on Clean Transportation, examined the carbon footprint of cruising as compared to a hotel stay plus air travel. 
since cruises are effectively floating hotels. His analysis found that a person taking a U.S. cruise for 1,200 miles on the most efficient cruise line would be responsible for roughly 1,100 pounds of CO2 compared with 518 pounds for a round-trip flight and a stay at a five- or a four-star hotel. In other words, taking a cruise generates about double the amount of total greenhouse gas emissions as flying. Not to mention, usually people fly to take a cruise, notes Stella Bartolini-Cavici, Marine Policy Advisor at Ocean Mind, a nonprofit that uses satellite and other technology to understand humans' impact on the sea. Flying to a cruising port means you end up with quite a carbon-intensive holiday, she says. Now, you see what's going on with all of this. They want to have a good time. They refuse to give up their private jets. In fact, you've heard John Kerry in the past say that they're doing a lot of good flying on these private jets. It, it makes these meetings possible. But you, you hicks and rubes, you got to give up your coffee and your cruises. Now, you should know I don't go on cruise ships. There's this thing called the ocean. It has these things called sharks, and I want to avoid them. And also, the people, the people on the cruise ships. I don't want to be on a cruise ship with four to 6,000 of my closest friends. Philip takes cruises. He and his wife have taken cruises. Philip has not taken a cruise without someone on the cruise knowing who I am when it comes up in casual conversation. Can you imagine me on a cruise with like people who hate me? or love me and won't leave me alone, there'd be no privacy. Now, I say that somewhat in jest. In point of fact, I actually was on a cruise a number of years ago. It was a working cruise. I mentioned this the other day on radio. It was fine. I had a room to myself. It was Holland America. It wasn't a crowded ship. Uh, it was not one of these behemoths with tens of thousands of people on it or however many people the, these things can hold. Didn't have slides and stuff. It had a pool. The food was okay. It had a casino. I didn't know how to play craps at the time. I didn't gamble at all then. Um, it, it, I thought that it was interesting. I did go to the gym, but, you know, the, the ship is kind of rocking back and forth and a little difficult on a treadmill. I think these bigger ships have a little more stability. I, I just, it's not my thing. Like, I want to go to a country and I can get there quicker on a plane than a ship. And then I can go see the stuff I want to see on my own terms without having to deal with the cruise. It just, uh, but I know people who do it. I know a lot of people in the middle class who love to take cruises. David, my CFO, his whole family went on a cruise over Christmas. It was, it was the family Christmas present. The parents decided they'd take the whole family on a cruise. They had a great time. Uh, they were there for more than seven days, the whole family together. Um, it, they, they had a great time. It was all you can eat. They stopped off at a number of Caribbean islands. The weather was great. They did it. I, I, I know friends who love the cruise. You're not going to be allowed to do it anymore. They're coming for the cruise ships, at least the ones that are built to scale. Now, you've got to understand these ships that are built to scale, they're, they're cheaper. You can buy, for example, uh, I, I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, and all the time there are ads for the, um, the Ritz-Carlton Yachts. And the Ritz-Carlton yachts are smaller boats with a lot of large rooms, so it's a more select, expensive clientele. Uh, I thought one time I, I would, if I ever had the money, I would um, 
buy a Ritz Carlton cruise for Philip and his wife because they like to take these cruises to these places in the Caribbean. And, and it would be one of those high-end luxury cruises. The food would be amazing. The food's apparently amazing. But those are really pricey. The Royal Caribbean and, and the others, they're giant ships with a lot of amenities. It's like going to Disney World on the water. You've got the Disney cruises for Pete's sake. But they're, they cater to families. They cater to the middle class. They don't cater to the ultra wealthy. They cater to the middle class. And what essentially the left is saying here is they wish to price the middle class out of comfort. They want to take your coffee away. My wife and I, this is one of my, my, my great purchases in life. So I bought a coffee machine. It's called a Jura. It is very expensive, y'all. It is a multi-thousand dollar coffee machine. I say that and I have to tell you the story so you understand why I bought it. I didn't know I was buying it. I've been looking at them and I was going to save up my money over time and buy one because my wife and I really do like whole bean coffee. There's this place up in Atlanta called Rev Coffee. And we get our whole beans from Rev Coffee. And we get uh, Nicaraguan or Costa Rican. Those are our favorite. Uh, light roast. I like the lighter roast more than the dark roast, as does my wife. But I got this machine. And the reason I got this machine is I was checking this website for this company that sold them. And they had a, it was 12 months, no interest payments. And I wanted to see if I qualified. I did not know. I will swear on the Bible. I did not know. They did not advertise. If you qualify, they sent you the machine. And it was my birthday several years ago. And I put in my information, and all of a sudden, I say, congratulations, we're shipping your Jura coffee machine. Like, no, 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 banging away at the keyboard. Like, no, cancel, 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 cancel. I never told my wife how much I spent. And it arrives, and I feel very guilty about it. And I think, I, you know, I need to pack this thing up. I, well, of course, I'm going to try it. See, the coffee is amazing. It's amazing. You can dial in exactly how you want it ground. You can dial in the temperature of the water, how much it may. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And I began to box it up, having tasted amazing coffee. Boxed it up. And my wife came downstairs. She put her arm across the machine and she said, you know, I might miss this if you send it back. So, of course, I did the logical thing, kept my wife happy and kept the coffee machine. And a few weeks later, she went back to the Keurig. I said, why? Why would you want me to keep this and then go back to a Keurig pod? She says, I don't like the coffee. Then I showed her how she could dial in her preference, and we've never gone back to the Keurig. It's fantastic. Y'all, when we go on vacation, we take our precious with us. It's a great machine. It's way too expensive. I don't, I mean, if you have the money, go for it. I did not have the money. But hey, it was 12 easy, no interest payments back when interest rates were zero. But still, they want me to give up my coffee. They want you to give up your coffee. They want you to drink that mud coffee. Have you ever heard about this? This is newest trend. My trainer tried this mud coffee. It's mushrooms, coffee-flavored mushrooms. That's what they want you to drink because of the carbon footprint. No, hell no. If you want to take a cruise, take a cruise. These are the people who tell you don't come between them and their doctor. If you want an abortion, have an abortion. The only choice the left wants you to have is whether or not to kill a kid. They don't want you to choose a cruise. They don't want you to choose coffee. They want you to drink mushrooms and drive an electric vehicle. And God forbid you leave your country. Only they are allowed to get on private planes and do it. The level of arrogance of these people, there's a backlash coming for this sort of stuff. There is. It's absurd, the environmental policies of the left. They want you to give up beef. 
You're, you're not allowed to have beef. God forbid you eat hog. Uh, you want you want a pork chop? No, the carbon footprint of the pork is terrible. And you're a terrible person for even considering it. You know what they want you to eat? Air. That's me chomping at the air. Oh, delicious air. Hope nobody has gas. That's what they want. An air diet. You, you, you imagine the tastiness of a steak while you die eating air. And then they fly on their private flights and have their catered meals with John Kerry. And they feel good about themselves while you're dead. You froze to death in the wintertime because you didn't have a power grid. You couldn't go on a cruise. You despaired. And they sent the euthanasia team to eliminate you. That's, I mean, y'all, This I'm somewhat flippant here, but you know this is where we're headed. Look, in Canada, you can already see it. In, in the Netherlands, they 80% of the Netherlands decided if someone had a filled life, not a fulfilled life, but a filled life, they can be executed. Old people can die. They've had enough of them. This is a death cult, and they want you to give up all of your luxuries while they give up absolutely nothing. These people are an abomination, and Donald Trump should make his entire campaign against them and the border. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Okay, I don't know the guy's real name, but I got an email from a listener. Waxahatchee from Tallahassee, no less. I, dude, I, I, his email address is Waxahatchee something, and he signs it Wax. Clearly not his real name. Uh, says he's from Tallahassee, listens down there online. Waxahatchee from Tallahassee. Comes up with this stuff. He, he emails. He says, "You know, the irony is is all of the normalization of obesity uh, that, that all these people on the left they're normalizing obesity, and well, the carbon footprint of the obese person is pretty big. So when are they going to shift to shame the obese people? You know, he, listen, progressivism is a mental health disorder. It, it really is. I, you know, yesterday I talked about that story in Vice that was condemning Kentucky." for passing a law allowing homeowners to take it upon themselves to push homeless people off their property if the homeless people are uh, encamping on the property. And they used unhoused and homeless interchangeably, but they didn't even realize they were talking about homeless people, but they really wanted to use unhoused. Um, At the same time, you've got the the perversity of uh, men can be women, but only women can talk about abortion, but not men who became women because they can't have abortion. So they need to shut up and leave it to the women, but they're also women. But what are they really? What? Huh? None of it makes any sense. It is deeply contradictory. Part of me thinks this is kind of like, so back in the early days of Christendom, you had uh, different groups around who had ideas about the Trinity or the lack thereof and the nature of Christ and all these things. And Constantine gathered them together in Nicaea, and then they had these church councils, and they could flesh stuff out. Well, the progressives, they, they got the Democratic Convention, but that's really about it. Otherwise, they fleshed this stuff out on the Internet together, yelling at each other. And you can never be progressive enough. It is, is I mean, just group therapy from the left and oh, a struggle session. It's just a mass struggle session. There's always one low woke left. You know, I mentioned that Neil Brennan um, comedy. Uh, so Neil Brennan, he's a comedian. He worked with Dave Chappelle. He's got a comedy special called Blocks on Netflix. It's very funny. And he's also, he, he struggles with depression, and he weaves that into his comedy. But one of the things he talks about is he, he's progressive. He says, look at me, real thin. Uh, look at what I'm wearing, obviously progressive. He says, the great thing about conservatives is, is somebody comes up and says, conservative, they crack a beer and welcome you to the party. With progressives, you say you're a progressive, and the group says, 
We'll see how progressive you are. And it's so true. And now they want to shame you for taking a cruise. They want to shame you for drinking coffee. They want to shame you for your industrial internal combustion engine in your vehicle. They want to shame you for not having solar panels on your house. The entirety of progressivism is about shame. And the only way you can you can change is to be their ally. You can be their ally. And in your allyship, you have to repeat the orthodoxies and mantras of the left. Boys can be girls, and girls can be boys. Never mind its insanity. Do you know the, uh, what is it, Southern Poverty Law Center the other day went after a biologist, I think his name is Colin Wright, uh, accused him of peddling pseudoscience as a practitioner. So the guy is a, is a PhD in biology. They accused him of peddling pseudoscience. Do you know the pseudoscience that this guy is peddling? That... Um, their gender is a binary and you're one or the other and you can't choose between them because we're not clownfish. That's what they said was pseudoscience. The left, the activists, they're, they, their 15 minutes is up. And I really do think that, that this bothers so many people, it annoys so many people, and they're so belligerent that Donald Trump has a method, he has an opportunity to push back against these people if he engages. Right now, I want you to engage with Stamps.com. You should go to Stamps.com. You can save money. You save a lot of money. You're into the new year. Your business is looking at finding efficiency. Stamps.com could be a great way to do it because it gets you out of standing in lines and gets you having to go um, deliver packages. They can come pick up the packages at your office. Right now, for a limited time, they will give you a free scale and some free postage. If you go to Stamps.com, you click on the microphone and you put Eric in, E-R-I-C-K. There's no contract to sign. There is no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. You might as well check it out. All you need is a computer or mobile device and a printer. You can print labels, get it on your packages. They've sent you the free digital scale, so you can you can weigh your packages, and off you go with Stamps.com. It is a great, great, great thing to do. I've used Stamps.com for 20 years. They've never sent me a free digital scale, by the way. Just want you to know. I've got my own scale. I use it, but I use Stamps.com. It makes life easy. I can have post office or UPS show up. I get 89% off rates, um, and they show up. They collect my packages. They make it easy. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, put in my name, Eric. Start saving today. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back to the show. It's 877-973-7425 is the phone number. Call in tomorrow. Don't call in today. I'm actually in a hotel room doing the program right now, and I forgot my uh, so, you know, let me pull back the curtain a little bit on this. Uh, so I, I have a, a box. It's called an access unit. And I can I can use Wi-Fi or the Ethernet. I plug my microphone into it, and I can connect to pretty much any radio station in the country. In fact, I, I've still got Rush Limbaugh's uh, information in there from when I used to connect in and do his show. Uh, but it, it is a cool device. It is a tiny device. I can hold it in one hand. And then I have a, um, a mixer I plug my mic into. And all that it makes it easy to travel. So if I have, like, for example, I won't be here Friday because I got a super secret meeting of the vast right wing conspiracy, and I'll be on an airplane. But I have taken my equipment with me and been able to broadcast around the country. It's really cool. And and I'm in a hotel. I got to do a podcast after the show with a friend. Lots of talking today, people. But the one thing I forgot is the um, I've got an iPad that is equipped to be able to get into the call screening program, and I don't have it with me. So I can't take your phone calls. I'm sorry. I want to talk about SNAP. Uh, Andy Harris is a doctor. 
He's the chairman of the Agriculture Rural Development Food and Drug Administration Subcommittee on the Appropriations Committee. He's a good conservative from Maryland. He's the only Republican in the Maryland delegation. They tried and tried to redistrict him out of it. And he has an op-ed in The Hill on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program called SNAP. Let me just read part of this to you because he, he lays out the facts better than I can. SNAP provides monthly food benefits to low-income households, making it a well-positioned tool to address the obesity epidemic in America. 42% of Americans, including one in five children, is obese according to government statistics. Approximately 13% of the U.S. population receives SNAP in a given month, making it one of the federal government's largest safety net programs. The program's stated goal is to raise the nutrition levels of low-income households, yet 40% of adult SNAP recipients suffer from obesity, and almost 45% have received a diagnosis of diet-related disease, far higher than the general population. In fact, USDA's Food and Nutrition Service reports that soft drinks are among the top purchases of SNAP recipients. Last fiscal year, Federal expenditures on SNAP topped $119 billion, a 70% increase over the past two decades in constant dollars. During the same time that Congress has made unprecedented investments in SNAP, obesity rates have continued to climb, proving SNAP an ineffective in accomplishing its primary objective in enhancing nutrition. Uh, then there are the associated medical costs with obesity he goes through. So essentially, uh, what he says is uh, the government controls what you can buy with SNAP, and the government should be incentivizing fruit and vegetable consumption while rolling back a coverage of snack foods and soft drinks. Now, let me get this out there for some of you. I am not a libertarian. I'm a conservative. Uh, libertarians would say blow up the SNAP program. I know people. I am not nor is my family. We've come close when I was when we were younger. We're just starting out our family. We, we never did go into SNAP. We, we didn't need to. We, we were above the threshold. But, man, there were times where we, we were struggling to pay bills and provide formula for our kids and stuff. I, I get it. And I know people who fell on dramatically hard times, and they needed SNAP. SNAP is actually a good government program. It's not perfect. There are problems there are always improvements, but it's one of those things on the social safety net. I am totally fine with the idea that my tax dollars go to help other Americans who are other would otherwise starve, particularly kids. I'm, I'm fine with that. There are ways to improve it. I don't deny it, but it's not a program I would be in favor of abolishing. Um, a yes, can I use my money and fund homeless shelters and soup kitchens and all that? Absolutely. But as a tax-paying American citizen, I'm glad the government also helps those who are less fortunate for, to, than me, many of them through no fault of their own, I would add. Some of them suffer from disabilities. Some of them have fallen on very hard times. They've been laid off or otherwise, uh, and they need SNAP. Uh, it is not a permanent government program. A lot of people roll off of SNAP. Some people come on. Some people go off. Uh, it, it has a rotating group of people who come on and off for various reasons. And again, it's not perfect, but I'm okay with government providing this. However, however, I think one of the things we have to look at, and y'all, I I don't know how to articulate this case. I, I, I struggle between I, I'm a conservative, but I'm also a Christian. Um, there are a lot of people on SNAP who bust their tails at jobs 
and they're barely making ends meet, and they come home and they're too tired, and they just want to go get the ready-made meal from the grocery store that SNAP covers. There aren't a lot of people doing a lot of gourmet cooking on SNAP. And I, I, I don't know how we change that, but I think Andy Harris is onto something. There are incentives, and we can provide incentives in the structure of these uh, government welfare programs on people's behaviors. Like, for example, job requirements for a lot of government welfare are in there. Democrats hate that. I think it's a great thing. Uh, work is good. You know, when, when God created Adam and Eve, he put them to work in the garden. You, you die and go to heaven, you're going to work. You're going to have a job. Uh, it, it is a reflection that somehow work is good for your soul, and anyone who has ever paid attention to the wealthy Americans who don't have to work has seen work is good for your soul. That level of wealth that you don't have to work, you don't want to work, you have no desire to work, it is corrupting. And those who are incentivized through government programs and the like to not work, it is corrupting. Work is good for your soul. I think it's a fine incentive. My concern is if we go down roads like this, you're going to get the left say, well, we're not going to let you eat meat with SNAP because it's bad for global warming. Those are legit concerns, I think. Those are. You see how the left is going. At the same time, if you do want these people to eat healthy, and it is clear, like disproportionately people on SNAP are in, in, in obese and in poor health, incentivizing them to eat healthy might not be a bad thing. Incentivize the apple. And the water and the milk and not the, the Coke products. It's, it's, we, we need to figure out something. Look, the reality is, and I, I've given up fighting this. My inner libertarian tries to get out on occasion. But the reality is we use the government to control people's behaviors. Both sides do. Both sides in particular use the tax code. And the tax code steers people's behaviors. The tax code... Um, incentivizes or disincentivizes uh, people having children, how people raise children, how many children they have, uh, how they work, how they don't work, all sorts of things. Um, and SNAP, we should be using it, I think, probably to incentivize people's behaviors as well. I mean, particularly the people we don't want to stay on SNAP. And the longer you're on it and, and the more your health declines, the more likely you're to stay on it. In addition, all the other medical um, effects Obesity is not good. Y'all, my body is killing me today while I sit in this stupid chair doing the show because I went to the gym yesterday and, my God, two days in a row, it was awful. I've been going to CrossFit, and it's it's all nightmares, all bad nightmares starting CrossFit. And I went, but I, I know i got to get myself. I've been working on losing weight, lost 20-some-odd pounds. Um, now I'm going to have to spend money on clothes because now my pants are too big for me, but it's necessary. And if you're on a government program that is about your food, I don't know that I'm necessarily opposed to the government giving you some level of incentive to change how you're consuming food. In doing so, however, I do think we have to keep in mind the number of people on SNAP who are working. They're just struggling in Joe Biden's economy. And they come home at night and they're tired. You know, there's a movement among Theo Bros on Twitter. The Theo Bros, they're the they're the anti woke, uh, usually white male Christian conservatives. And there's a growing movement of them that that the government should incentivize businesses being shut on Sunday, just like Chick Fil A, closed on Sunday. Everything, the gas station, the fast food restaurant, the grocery store, everything closed on Sunday. Now, the problem with this is if if wages don't go up, then you're depriving people of some of some hours of work, and that hurts them. 
concurrently, people are exhausted. People are exhausted. Y'all, I've been back at work since January 2nd, and I'm exhausted because my whole family's been sick. And I've been been Dr. Dad, Dr. Husband, and, and taking care of them and grocery shopping and getting food at night. We haven't done a lot of cooking because because people just hadn't felt great. Nobody's wanted know what they wanted to eat. So if I'm exhausted, and I'm only a couple weeks back from vacation. But then I think about it. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, they were all sick over vacation. Christy got COVID. Evelyn had surgery. Gunner got the flu. I, I I have not had a vacation. I just I want a day off. Like I I need a mental health break. Like I haven't seriously got sick. There's been two days I miss work. Since 2020, I got food poisoning last year, year before, and I missed a couple of days of work because I got bad food poisoning. Y'all, it was awful. I lost my voice because there was so much. Bleh. Anyway, um, I'm just I'm like, can I get sick, please? Can can I can I have a couple of days off to just lay in bed and and be sick? I'm exhausted. I, I feel for for people who work a lot. They're working multiple jobs, just trying to get ahead. They come home at night. They don't want to slice and peel the apples and cut up the carrots and 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 grill the meat. They just want to go get something they can throw in the microwave. I totally get that. We have uh, problems, and God help me, I'm going to use the word holistic problems in this country when it comes to this stuff. I cannot believe I just said that word. Bad Erickson. Bad saying garbage words like that. But y'all know what I mean. But I, I kind of see where Andy Harris is coming from on this. We, we, we need to make some changes. It is, I don't think it's a coincidence that um, the people on SNAP are also some of the least healthy people and, and have a higher rate of obesity. It depends on what the government's incentivizing people buying. And, you know, you can actually cook some stuff pretty quickly. It doesn't take you long to grill chicken or, or a hamburger and protein's good for you. It's way better than the, the soft drink that we're subsidizing. I myself... I have to wean myself off something. I love me a Dr. Pepper, y'all, but I try to limit myself to just one a day um, as opposed to the many that I used to. My kids, though, y'all know my kids only drink water. Is that not the – now, occasionally they'll have milk, but water. My kids drink water. My son exclusively, that's all he will drink, water. Uh, God bless them. I should have. I should adopt that behavior, but I do kind of like beer and pizza. All right, in any event, we got to move on. Interesting conversation, though. Now, I, I, I want to interest you in a conversation about Hillsdale College. Hillsdale educates people on the Constitution. Y'all, they, you know, I saw the other day, I saw something online that Hillsdale's been doing, like, um, like some of their religion professors have been doing commentaries on the Bible. But the, the ones on the Constitution that Larry Arn has done, they are the gold standard in constitutional commentary. You'll find nothing like it, which is why we're doing Constitution Minutes on the show. So Hillsdale is preparing these Constitution Minutes based on their core curriculum on the Constitution. They're educating Americans about the Constitution. If you go to ericforhillsdale.com, they'll give you a free pocket Constitution, and you can hear these Constitution Minutes, and you can share them with your progressive friends who think the Constitution has a pulse. And educate them about the situation. Larry Arn and the folks at Hillsdale College are committed to the American Constitution and constitutionalism and what it really means. And you should be, too. Go to Eric for Hillsdale, E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com today. Get your free pocket Constitution and listen to the Constitution Minutes and share them with your friends. Eric, E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. So, I don't know if you heard. Massive layoffs at the Los Angeles Times. Now, the Los Angeles Times. I, I'm. I don't. I, I don't get giddy about people losing their jobs. Even reporters and institutions that I think are left wing. I, I just. I'm. 
I don't know. I feel bad for people losing their jobs. People have families, whether I like them or not, like what they do or not. They got families, et cetera. At the same time, um, some of the Los Angeles Times reporters, remember the Los Angeles Times published an op-ed that you should shame people uh, who voted for Donald Trump, among other things. Um, They've been a pretty progressive outfit. And people lose their jobs there. It's a shame, but also people aren't consuming the products. Newspapers are less and less consumed. And I mean, look, I've talked about the Atlanta Journal here the last couple of days, how rapidly they shifted to use words like unhoused to conform to progressive group speak. I mean, why, why do I want to support institutions around the country that are engaging in word games to make progressives happy? And signaling this, I, I feel bad for him. But, you know, uh, doubling down on it is, is the number of people who said, you know, go learn to code. And they're like, nobody ever said that to y'all. Uh, y'all, Joe Biden actually did tell people in uh, coal states when they were shutting down coal power plants that you can go learn to program. No, he did not exactly precisely say learn to code. But he said you can learn to program. And these journalists are like, I can't believe that's so insulting. No one ever said that. Joe Biden literally said that. And a lot of journalists and progressives echoed the same thing. Learn to code. Telling people who are complaining about the Green New Deal and the green economy, just learn to code. Get a new job. Something outside the coal mines. It's good for you. And people resent that. Just, oh, my gosh, do they resent that. And they should. And now the, the, not only are reporters denying that it ever happened when it happened, They're like, oh, you shouldn't say that to poor us. You know, look, people shouldn't be crummy to people losing their job, but you people have been. You can't really ask others to engage in behavior. It's the golden rule. Do to others as you wish them to do to you. Well, you have done to others as they are now doing to you. And I mean, no, they shouldn't. But in a rapidly partisan environment where the media has just been really crummy, to a bunch of blue-collar workers over the last decade. You've had the current president of the United States tell these workers when they, he cost them their jobs with his policies, they can go learn to program computers. I mean, what did you expect was going to happen? But on top of that, there is, like, I really do like newspapers. Y'all, if I could get the Wall Street Journal delivered in the mornings, they used to be able to, and, and now it shows up with the regular mail, so it shows up in the afternoon. And I can just go online. They've got a great app for the iPad. The Wall Street Journal has my favorite iPad app. Um, I would love to read a real newspaper in the morning. I I, I don't mind the ink stain. I, I I'm I'm totally fine being an ink stained rich. I I I I like newspapers. I like the tactile feel of them, but not these days. The editorial pages are uniformly of the left. The reporters tend to be on the left. The younger the reporter, the more activist they are. They don't really want to tell you the truth. They want to tell you the narrative. They've served a great purpose in in local communities, cracking down on government corruption, crime, and things like that. But they, one, took themselves too seriously, and two, did not take their readership seriously enough. They catered towards the wealthy, progressive enclaves of America, and everyone else gave up on them. I actually have this sense that there's nostalgia in the country and that you will see kids turning towards newspapers and news outlets uh, because their parents and grandparents read the newspaper. They they may not turn to them in print form, but digital form, like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. I, I subscribe. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, even the Washington Post, although I'm thinking of canceling the Post because it's just a terrorist organization mouthpiece. But 
I, I think there's there's something to be said. And, and there are great regional newspapers. A buddy of mine, Will, runs a local newspaper, and it's profitable business. The next county over, their regional newspaper has collapsed. McClatchy's running into the ground. And so he started up a section of his weekly newspaper to cover that county. It's been good. The reception's been great. Um, you know, where I am, uh, progressives are buying up a lot of the news newspapers and starting news organizations, and they're they're going to weaponize it and, and turn it into partisan operations against Republicans, which is going to further destroy the credibility of the media. The media just lacks the humility to assess what they've done wrong. It's a sad, sad, sad thing to see. All right, we got to move on. I got to tell you about Omaha Steaks, because if you go to omahasteaks.com slash Eric today, you, my friends, can take advantage of an incredible deal at Omaha Steaks. OmahaSteaks.com slash Eric. You'll get with your order four free boneless chicken breasts and four free boneless pork chops. The chicken breasts are tender. They're juicy. They're flavorful. They're not like just those steroid-filled chicken. I just don't like the ones you get at the grocery store. Omaha Steaks are so much better. And all of their food is so much better. And you get 100% satisfaction guarantee. And you get my own personalized URL after 11 years. Finally, OmahaSteaks.com slash Eric. Go there today. You get great, great selection of steaks and pork chops. You get the free boneless chicken breast. You get the caramel apple tartlets. You get it delivered to your door. You get the 100% satisfaction guarantee. You're not going to find anything better than omahasteaks.com slash Eric. It's such incredible value, such incredible quality, such incredible customer service. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.